welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. You know, I also wanted to say this as the offerings being received that sometimes the Lord will deal with you as to maybe why you're not seeing all the prosperity in your life that you'd like to see. He, he might also deal with you about uh, how you're managing everything that you're not giving in an offering of the year, not tithing back to the Lord. Because management of money is good stewardship. And the Lord's big on that. And sometimes you just have to tell your beady eyes and your desires of the flesh, no, no. If I sign my name to that contract, that's going to make my giving strenuous. And I will not put a strain on my giving. How many think it's a good idea before you sign any contracts that require, you know, 365 easy payments? (laughs) How many think you need to ask yourself before you sign that piece of paper, how will this expense affect my tithing and my giving goals, which should be increasing all the time? How, how will me signing my name to this contract, how, that, how is that going to affect my tithing and my giving goals? Because if it pulls on that, you might want to reconsider. We, we don't want anything to interrupt our God account. Amen. Now, if you can sign your name to something and it not mess with your tithing at all, and it not mess with your giving goals at all, well, pray about it. Be led. You know, if you want it, do it. But... Man, if it ever gets close, well, if, I, if, we, if we sign our name to this bigger house or this nicer car or, or these things or this vacation or this exotic vacation, if we sign our name to this, I'm not sure we're going to be able to give next month. What should you do? You should have all kinds of flags going up immediately. We are not going to bump God. Amen. Thank you for those one amens. <laughs> All right, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. And Michaela mentions that we were talking about staying in faith, and we have been for the last four Wednesdays or so. And we're not done yet. I believe the Lord wants us to get deeper in our spirits so that it's actually a part of our lives. So we're going to talk some more tonight about staying in faith once you get in faith. You know what I mean? I guess the ultimate would be this. You come to the altar, you pray a prayer, you get saved, you're a born-again Christian. How many think it's a good idea to stay following Jesus even when the pressure comes? Tries to tell you following Jesus is not what you thought it was or it's hard or you're getting persecuted or people don't like you. How many think it's a good idea to say, you know what, I'm staying in faith for the Lord no matter what because he stayed on his path to set me free and die on a cross and go to hell and rise. He stayed on his path for me. I'm going to stay on my path for him even if it gets a little hard. Right? I don't know. Sometimes I think people maybe get saved and it's kind of like walking up to somebody and shaking their hand and saying, oh, nice to meet you, Jesus. Maybe maybe we could call that a conversion. But Jesus said you must be born again. This needs to reach the core of your life. I mean, it's not just, how you doing, Jesus? Then we go back to our old life and our old thinking and, and all the stuff we used to be involved with. I'm, so, I'm wondering sometimes if people really get born again or if they just kind of meet Jesus. Hi, Jesus. How you doing? Good to see you. Thanks for bailing me out of that mess. See you later. You know, being born again, I think, is a step beyond conversion. It's an actual change on the inside that affects the outside totally. Um, so let's go ahead and look at Luke chapter 8. And Father, as we read these scriptures now, we're asking for revelation that sets free. Build us up, help us, change us, correct us, whatever we need tonight. Bring forth the ministry of the Spirit of God exactly how you want it to come forth. We declare we're good receivers and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 8. Jesus is giving the parable of the sower sows the word. Some of that word falls on hearts that are hard. It doesn't produce much in their life. Some people hear sermons, and, and, but they have hearts with all these other things in their hearts, other priorities, and things are greater than God, and it doesn't take any root. But he's talking about the condition of a man's heart in this parable. And in verse 13, 
he says, these are they on the rock where the word is sown or where the word is preached, which when they hear, they hear the sermon, they hear the teaching, they receive the word with joy. They go, woo, glory to God. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going, woo, that's awesome. But there has to be a little more than that. You know, as just before I was getting ready to walk up here tonight, as Michaela was talking and giving the announcements, I was thinking, you know, the Wednesday night crowd, um, I'm just so thankful to be a part of the Wednesday night crowd. Middle of the week, you know, traditionally most churches now don't even have Wednesday night services. Um, you know, once a week is enough and an hour long, that's plenty enough. Any church that goes over an hour, well, that's just ridiculous. Well, it depends, I guess, what's happening in the service. Some church services should be over in a half hour because of what's happening in them. <laughs> Doubt and unbelief and all this. But some church services, you want to last three, four, five, six hours because of what's happening in them. I mean, callings are happening. Separations to the ministry, miracles, deliverances, things on the inside are being fixed. Right? Abuses of emotions are being fixed. Uh, answers are coming forth. Solutions. Direction. Well, we don't want to rush that kind of service. So really, it depends, right? Some, somebody was telling us a while back that somebody this person knew said that, yeah, so-and-so said that, he says, I, I don't think that any church service should go over an hour. And I thought, well, I partly agree with that. Some church services should get over quick. <laughs> because there's more doubt and unbelief going on than faith. Oh, we don't know why God took that little baby. And oh, we don't know why God caused that accident. That church service needs to be over in five minutes. <laughs> but some church services where the word of God's being preached, where power of God is in manifestation, where the word of truth is coming forth, where the bondages are being broken. I say let that service last as long as the Lord wants it to last. If it's traditionally on time or untraditionally not on time, let it go. Let's let the Lord have his way. We need to get back to two, three-week meetings. Sometimes it takes one week to get all the unbelief out of people. Sometimes the second week helps to get faith in the people. And then the third week, they're finally understanding it and in the receiving mode. And miracles start happening. You know, you know, limbs growing out and eyes being fixed and kidneys being healed. And I mean, sometimes it takes a while to get people in faith so they can believe for those things. I think a lot of times we go like this. We go like this. We're in the service. We're in a service. You know, miracles and healings are up here. And we're going, oh, an hour and a half. Okay, we're over. See you next week. I don't think that should be our mindset ever, but especially in the last days. We need to let the Lord do what he wants to do. There's some things that are going to come forth from pulpits that are going to birth callings and, and ministries and things that are supposed to happen. You know why a lot of people backslide from church? Because the supernatural is never happening. They're not hearing the anointed word of God. They're not experiencing tongues and interpretation and prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And if the supernatural's not happening, it's real easy to drift from the where you're supposed to be. You know, it's like the supernatural helps keep us grounded and realize, wait a second, this is not just a teaching center. <laughs> this is the presence of God. Amen. Teaching comes forth, but a lot more than teaching comes forth. Demonstration of power and so he said, these are the rock are which hear the word and they receive it with joy. And these <clears throat> have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. That I pray is not us. <laughs> temptation. Oh, stuff doesn't work. I'm not going to church anymore. Now, this, this tells us right here that there can be things in our life that we've allowed to be in our life that will actually cause the word of God that's supposed to deliver and save and set us free to not work properly in our lives. And it's not because the preacher didn't do a good job. It's not because the seed was bad. It's not because God's word has lost its power. It's because other things in the heart of man are bigger then the word of God, when temptation comes, they go with what they go the direction that they decide to go instead of the, using the word that they heard and they fall away. 
This is the picture of many, many church people today. They go to church. They hear amazing word. They go, hallelujah, <laughs> praise the Lord. They may even jump and dance a little bit. But because of other things in their life, bigger than God, you know, things they maybe don't want to give up, things that maybe um, they don't want to, you know, well, they just don't want to let go of them. And then temptation comes. And because of these other things in their life, they don't have the power, the strength or the will to say no. They fall for temptation. They fall away. Then they don't want to come back to church because they feel guilty, which is exactly where you need to go if you feel guilty. And they fall away. And it's sad. But we're talking about staying in faith. But this scripture says they didn't stay in faith when temptation came. Can I just give you a little side uh, thought here? It's, it's interesting because Jesus said, the sower sows the word. And then Satan comes immediately to steal the word that was sown in their hearts, if you read the previous few verses. It says Satan comes immediately to take the word that was sown in their hearts. So very interesting that when you go to church and you hear a powerful word, you should probably be a little bit on guard for after the church service, something coming your way to try to get you to not believe what you heard in church. A temptation. I remember one time uh, some people came and talked to us who actually left the church because they, they got offended at something. And this was many years ago. And they came to us and I just taught a message. Um, um, I guess I'll go ahead and say I taught a message on I love God more about us loving God. You know, we, we know God loves us and we want to hear more sermons on that. But the Bible also talks about loving him. And we were finding out how important this revelation was. It's like the whole world's in a mess today because Adam and Eve loved something else more than God and they did something he told them not to do and the whole world's in a mess today. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting, but um, the Bible says God causes all things to work together for good. To who? Not everyone. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. Interesting, he didn't say he causes all things to work together for those whom he loves. Right. That's right. He causes all things to work together for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So our love for God needs to kick in a lot in this life because that's the number one way to overcome temptation. Yeah. Temptation comes to us. Our flesh and our mind really wants to do something we know we shouldn't do. People are trying to get us to do something we, don't, we shouldn't do. But we say no because we love God. I love God more. It's my answer to temptation. I love God more. That's better than just, mm, I'll try to fight this desire. Just love God more and resisting temptation won't be so hard. That's right. So I preached the message on um, loving God. And this couple came into my office and I love this couple. I mean, I, I just, I really think they didn't know. And, and, you know, if I was a better pastor, maybe they would have known. I don't know, but no, nobody to blame here. But it's just an interesting observation. They came into my office and they said, we're leaving the church because... Um, we don't agree with the loving God messages. They, they said, if we just preach more on God loves us, we'll just you know, float up to a higher level and everything will be great. It'll just change us without any effort on our part. I said, well, then what about all the scriptures about loving God? You know, we got to look at those too. So the person said, well, we went out to a restaurant here in town and um, after you taught that message on loving God and, and the person said, you know, I went to a restaurant and I used to have a, a, a drinking problem and I went to the restaurant and I hadn't drank in years. They wasn't even been tempted in years. And went to the restaurant and all of a sudden all these temptations came to me. Order a drink. Order a drink. Order a drink. Order a drink. And they came and told us and said, see, Pastor, what you're teaching is off because you taught a message that caused temptation to increase in my life. I thought, wait a second. Jesus said, if you hear the real word of God, Satan comes immediately to tempt you and to take the word out of your life. This scripture here says in time of temptation, they fall away because of the word's sake. And I thought, wait a second. If you hear a word of God in church and you're never tempted to violate that word, that word's not that big a deal to the devil. That's right. What you heard. What you heard is not a threat to the devil. And what was really interesting about this is I think he resisted. I think this couple resisted the drinking and I wish I would have known then what I know now. I would have said, hey, listen, wait, wait, wait. You're saying you heard a message on loving God more than anything. 
Loving God, the answer to temptation is I love God more than the temptation. I love God more than the, the pleasure of the flesh. You're saying, you heard that message, you went to a restaurant, and at, for years you were doing fine, and then all of a sudden temptation to drink came, and, and, and you're saying that you didn't fall for it? You know what I wish I would have told him? I wish I would have said, listen, you just heard the word of God about loving God, and you were tempted to not love him, and you resisted that temptation, and you acted on the word and you overcame. Yeah. I wish I would have said that, but I didn't because I, some of the revelation I didn't have back then, but this was a long time ago. And I thought, wow, this scripture here says when you hear the word of God, if it's, if it's a word that the devil's afraid of, if it's a powerful word that can change your life, you're probably going to be tempted pretty quick after you hear that word. Right? To not believe it, to say it doesn't work, to say, oh, this. Um, why would the devil bring temptation against a word that wasn't powerful and, and something he didn't like? Right? So I, actually, the opposite was happening with these, this couple I was telling you about. They were actually hearing the word of God. It was a very powerful word. Satan tempted them to try to get them not to believe what they heard. They overcame and they should go praise God. <laughs> I do love God more. I just resisted a temptation. The enemy tried to get me to violate the scriptures I heard in church today, but I didn't do it. That's powerful. Anyway, enough of that side journey. So um, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. And let me ask you a couple questions here about staying in faith. A lot of times in church services, we get in faith because of the corporate atmosphere of faith. Uh, the, the preaching of the word, the anointing of God on that word. We get in faith. Uh, a prayer is prayed. We believe God it's happening. A prayer for ourselves, a prayer for somebody else. We believe and praise God. Oh, we got the victory. By his stripes we're healed. Thank you, Lord. All right, we got it. But the key is staying in faith until manifestations of healing occur in the body. And so I put this down. If you want to stay in faith, then after you're done praying, you need to talk like your prayers are working, even if it feels like they're not. Say this. I'm going to talk like my prayers are working. That's one thing that's got to be right. One of the greatest ways to stay in faith is maintain a Bible confession under all circumstances. Maintain a Bible confession under all circumstances. If you're going to pray for something, determine before you pray, I'm going to talk like God heard me and I'm going to talk like this promise belongs to me no matter what happens after I pray. That's one of the ways you stay in faith. Keep talking the word yep. after you pray. Because there's going to be times it's going to look like the word's not working. What do you do? You stay in faith. How do you stay in faith? Keep speaking the scriptures that your prayer is built on. All right. So I, I said this a while back. Many good prayers are being nullified by unconscious confessions and attitudes that are not in line with the prayer being answered after it was prayed. What's more important, the prayer you pray or how you talk after you pray? I would say they're equally as important. It's important to pray a good prayer, but it's just as important to talk right after that prayer so you don't nullify that prayer, or I could say abort that prayer because death and life is in the power of the tongue and you can actually kill a good prayer by talking like God didn't hurry you, talking like it's not working because you haven't seen immediate results. Well, you don't want to kill your good prayer because then a good prayer goes down the drain. Okay. So, can I just say this too? After you pray a prayer that you have scriptures that show you you have a right to what you prayed for, after you pray a prayer, don't go back to thinking like you used to think before you prayed. You should be thinking different now. Like, glory to God. Lord heard me. I got scriptures. All I did was bring his own word into his presence and reminded him of what he said. Glory to God. I ask, I receive. My joy is made full. Praise God. Something good's happening. Whew, glory to God. Ha, I just, I just claimed that need met. Then a the thought's going to come to you. Oh, man, you still need that thing. It's like, no, I don't. I believe I received that need met. Right? We talked about that the other day. Like you order something online. Once you order it, you don't act like you need it anymore. You're just waiting for it to show up. 
Okay. So did I say um, Hebrews 10? Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. We're talking about staying in faith once you get in faith. And guys, this is so important because Jesus wants you to have results. He doesn't want you in pain. He doesn't want you broke. He doesn't want you sad. He wants you and your family on top. And a lot of times he helps us to get in faith in church services, but it's, it, we got to stay in faith. So notice this. We're told, cast not away, therefore, your confidence, because you're going to be tempted to. Because that confidence has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience. Notice the next verse. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So let me just mention this here. If I was to ask people in the room tonight or ask people wherever tonight, what do you need? I, I think some of this would be the answers, okay? And please keep that scripture on the screen, the, uh, verse 36. Um, if I was asked people what they need, what do you need? They'd say, well, I need healing. Okay, all right. What do you need? Well, I need, I need an increase of prosperity in my life. I, I need to get these bills paid off. Okay, all right. What do you need? Well, I, I need... I need some peace because this depression is about ready to knock me out. Okay, you need peace. Okay. So I said, what, what do you need? Well, I just, I need strength or I need wisdom. That's what I need. I need wisdom for my business. I, I need wisdom to know what to do because there's, you know, big things in the balance here. I need to know what to do. I need answers. Okay. But do you realize that's really not what you need? Because all those things are already yours in Christ. Strength, peace, wisdom, healing, health strength, prosperity, already yours. You know what you need? You know what you need? You need endurance to stay in faith that it's yours until it shows up. What do you need, really? What do you really need? Do you really need the money? Do you really need the healing? Or do you need perseverance and endurance to stay in faith, maintain that Bible confession, maintain that joy that says, I have it now, concerning promises you know already belong to you? What do you really need? Because if you'll stay in faith about what God already said belongs to you, it has to show up eventually or God lied. So do you really need the money or do you need to just stay in faith that my God is supplying all my needs? He didn't lie to me. I will not say anything to the contrary. Or is it endurance that you need to stay in faith for what he's already given you? That's a really good question. This scripture says what you need is endurance. Patience here is translated, it's the Greek word endurance, and it simply means this. Cheerful steadfastness and constancy. You need to be consistent about something. Now, now notice, what if you are? What if you're consistent about staying in faith? After you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Read the next couple verses. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Keep going. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, God said. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe unto the saving of the soul. Interesting. God says, get in faith and stay in faith. Why would you admonish people to stay in faith if there weren't powers trying to knock you out of faith? Temptations trying to get you out of faith. Talk like God didn't answer your prayer. Talk like the scriptures aren't true. Or, or what? Why would he say, cast not away your confidence, hold on, uh, don't be weary in well-doing, hold fast your profession of faith? Why would he say all that if it was just automatic? I'm in faith, I stay in faith. You do not stay in faith just because you get in faith. I actually feel at times, I mean, what happens in a church service is powerful but what you do with what you get in that church service is even more powerful. You know, Monday through Saturday. <clears throat> so, I like to say it like this. Faith takes it. Patience keeps it. Right? Um, <clears throat> now, Here's something that's very interesting, and I'm going to share this for the remaining time. I think you'll really like this. I got some revelation during the Southwest Believers Convention. This isn't what was spoken. It's just when you're in the atmosphere where the Spirit of God's moving, He'll start talking to you about things beyond the preacher. It's really cool to get in those atmospheres. That's why it's, it's, if you can get to a meeting, it's, it's even better than hearing it online. 
because you, you can get in the atmosphere of that meeting. <clears throat> but, or just at least get engulfed at home instead of cleaning the house while you're listening to a church service, you know. But here's what came to me. Now, listen closely. <clears throat> you have need of patience. I have need of patience. While we're standing in faith, quoting scriptures, and believing God, we need to be constant and cheerfully steadfast in what we're saying and believing and in our attitude that God's answered prayer, that this scripture belongs to us, what I claimed is mine, whatever it is that you're needing from the Lord. We need to do this because... Well, let me tell you the, the, way, the area we need to do this. What you need, you ready for this now? What you need is already in you. You need to bring it forth. It don't need to come down from heaven on you. Now, let, let me say this. If you need healing, where are you going to get it from? Who's the healer? Not a trick question. Who's the healer? Jesus is the healer. Right? The Bible says he's the healer. Satan's the oppressor. Jesus is the healer. Right? Okay. So if you need healing from Jesus and he's in you, then where is healing supposed to come from to heal your body? Huh? Now, I'm not saying this is the only way to receive healing because gifts of healings have been put in the church. Healing anointing flows from other people into you. But if you think about this, think, think about it. If he's in you, and he is if you're a Christian, right? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Then everything he has is in you. So where's healing? It's in you. Right? Healing is in you. Wisdom is in you. Strength is in you. Peace of mind is in you. Wisdom to prosper, it's in you, right? What do we need to do? Now, listen closely. I'm going to show you for a couple of scriptures. We need to speak it out. Not just to be heard, to bring something out of us that's in us through our words of faith. Uh, perfect example. Are you ready for time's sake? We won't go there. Genesis chapter 1. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, let me ask you a question. Where did that light come from? Did it come from out here somewhere and God just... No. 1 John chapter 1 says that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. When God said, let there be light, he was speaking it out of him. Say this, speak it out. Speak it out. What do you mean? Just to be heard? No. You need to bring what's in you to the outside and you do it like God did it. How'd God do it? God said let there be light. He spoke light out of him into our known universe. He spoke it. Where was it first, though? It's already in existence inside. If it ain't in there, you can't speak it out. But it's in there. How do I know? He's in there. Miracles are in there. How are you, you going to get it out? Now, this is such good news. This is such good news because the preacher might be on vacation that you're hoping would pray for you, yeah. right? They, they may be out of town. Pastor may be on a beach somewhere, right, with a club soda and cranberry juice, <laughs> right? Everybody say club soda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's called a cranberry sparkle, for those of you that didn't know. But what if he's gone? What if the preacher's gone? Well, Jesus is in you. How many think it's a good, a good idea to start speaking some things out? Not just to be heard, to bring forth what's in us, into our minds, into our bodies, into our finances, into our business. Where's God? Revelation in the believer. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God said, light me! And light came on the scene, but where did it come from? His words of faith 
brought it out of his being into the universe. He already had it in here. And when he said, let there be light, light came on the scene at 186,000 miles a second. Hasn't stopped yet. Still, still just as fast as it's ever been. Where'd that come from? Inside of him. Where are his kids? How are we going to see results? Huh? So keep that in mind in closing. Go to Proverbs 18. God is in you. All he has is in you. If you want it in your body, in your finances, etc., then speak it out. You ever heard that phrase? Just speak it out. They're th- saying, just, just be heard, be heard, be heard. Words are for way more than just being heard. Yeah. They're to create, they're to release power, they're to bring things out of you into the earth around you that need to be there. Are you getting this revelation? Isn't that good? Yeah. Speak it out. <laughs> so in Proverbs 18, verse 20, I think we went here last week, but let's go ahead and look at it again. And we'll go to one more scripture and we'll wrap it up here. Okay, so Proverbs 18, Solomon, by the wisdom of God, said a man's belly. Now, we know belly doesn't mean your physical stomach. He's talking about your life. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He's talking about your spirit man. All right, a man's core, you know, the depths of your life, you know, real satisfaction, not just, you know, stuff on the surface. Real satisfaction, how does that happen? A man will be satisfied how? How? When everybody else treats him right? How will a man be satisfied in life? When he gets a raise? How will a man be truly uh, satisfied for the long haul? How's a man going to be satisfied in his life? See, this will stop the finger pointing right here. Hey, if you're not satisfied, go like this. Because a man's life will be satisfied by what he's saying. Well, I don't know if it's that important. Well, talk to God about it. He said it's life and death important. But the next verse will tell us about it. Now notice, a man's life or belly or core shall be satisfied by what his mouth is producing. Words, right? What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you believing? What are you saying and believing? What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? And notice, a man's life shall be satisfied by what he's saying. Can I just say this? Don't blame other people or other circumstances for your problems when your mouth can fix it. If you're not satisfied, the number one place you should look is the one inch under your nose. According to who? Your feelings? No. According to who? Philosophy? No. According to who? The world? Of course not. They think we're crazy. But according to God, your problem and your answer is right under your nose. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yes, yes, yes. Right under your nose. And this is so cool. Could it really be this simple? Uh-huh. A man's belly shall be satisfied. If you, if you want to change your life, change your vocabulary. Instead of going, when a problem hits you, go like this. None of these things move me. Same, it, it, it's, it's just a decision to form different words. Right? Instead of saying, oh, we're going down, I don't know what to do. Maybe we should go, I'm going to be of good cheer. God didn't lie. Yeah. Takes the same amount of breath, same amount of facial muscles, maybe even less, because you're in a more relaxed state. And it's just a choice. The devil wants you speaking negative because he knows he has no way to influence you if he can't use your mouth or your mind. He cannot do a thing to you if your mind's under control and your mouth is under control. He's like on the other side of this three-inch plexiglass trying to influence you, but he can't because you're not letting him in. Say this, hell, you cannot have my tongue. <laughs> the Bible says in James chapter 3, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity set on fire. And it talks about all the other things. And it says the tongue is set on fire of hell. Say hell, hell. you cannot have my tongue. He is trying his best to get us to use our God-given ability to either satisfy or destroy against ourselves. So notice the scripture again. A man's life shall be satisfied. How? By the fruit. Produce. By the fruit of his mouth. What you're saying. 
Well, I'm not happy because my spouse is flaking out. Well, I'm not happy because the government. I'm not happy because who's in office. I'm not happy because of the economy. I'm not happy because I'm a school board. I'm not happy. No, you're not happy because you're using your mouth wrong. Don't blame other people for what your mouth can fix. Say this, my mouth can fix things. <laughs> it can. Now notice, and with the increase of his lips, so if you, if you really want to see some results in this area, increase your good confessions. Increase the fervency of them, increase the quality of them, and maybe go ahead and increase the quantity a few thousand times, right? I mean, you can talk yourself into a miracle. So, in, with the increase of your lips, you shall be filled. Filled with what? <laughs> what you're saying. What if you're saying, I heard, I'm in pain, and I have no, and I don't know if I'll ever get over this, and, I don't, and you keep saying that, what are you going to be filled with? More of the same thing that you don't want. What if you stopped and said, wait a second, I feel this, but I believe this. I'm going to go with what I believe for a while. All right, and you should forever, but I believe by his stripes I'm healed. I believe I'm getting better. I believe when I rebuke that sickness, it hurt me. I believe it's leaving. I believe God's word's true. I believe I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I believe, it, well, now what are you doing? Now you're getting filled with that. You don't like what's in your life? Change it. <laughs> what's the next verse right after this? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I want to say this again. How important is it what we say? Life and death. Well, I don't think it's that important. Fine, disagree with God. <laughs> it's your prerogative. You can go to hell too, I guess, if you want. But how many think God knows better than us? Death and life is where? In the mysterious plan of God, you never know when you're going to die. You never know when you're going to leave. You never know if an accident's going to happen. No, he said it's in the power of your tongue. A lot of people have one smack dab in the middle of destruction, not realizing their confession, the way they've been talking for the past four years, got them there. And it's fruit. See, it says fruit on that scripture. You see that there? It says, shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, the words you and I speak, the positive effects and the negative effects, in many cases, do not show up immediately. It's like fruit. I mean, do you, you plant a, a banana seed and reap a banana tree? In an hour, half hour, a minute? You, do you plant an apple seed and reap an apple tree in the next day? Or? No, but over time. And this is where the devil gets. And he tries to tell him, oh, your problems don't have anything to do with the way you talk. You can talk however you want. Yeah, and you know, there's a scripture in Psalms that says all these wicked people said, ha ha, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? If Jesus is your Lord, he will want to have something to say about how you talk. He does not want you destroying yourself or other people. And words are powerful. Remember that old, that old phrase, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That's from the pit. Words can kill you. Now, you don't have to let them affect you, but let's face it, words can really hurt. Right? I mean, it's like, it talks about words being like arrows, like me saying, me saying something bad about Joe, going, boom, and it goes right, and he goes, oh, and I go, oh, Joe, I take that back. It's too late. <laughs> the dude's stuck with an arrow. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me help you pull that out. Just leave me alone. <laughs> now, God can heal, but how many of us better just not to shoot people? Well, this scripture is telling us the importance and the power of our confession and the power of words. And I, I, just, I just want to say this. You have some great and wonderful things on the inside of you. Well, he's inside of you. And everything he has is inside of you. I think it's time to speak it out. So one last scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. The Lord, we need renewed on this teaching regularly through our earth walk. Confession. What you say, what you believe, what you say about what you believe. 
This is a subject that seems to slip more from the body of Christ almost than any other subject I've known for 33 years. I mean, I have to watch it. I mean, Carl and I both have to watch it. When, when pressure comes, especially put a hand on your mouth. Well, you and I talking about this? I, somebody I was talking with recently about Jairus and his daughter who had just died, 12-year-old girl. Jesus was ministering to another woman who basically interrupted him, got a total healing from the Lord, power went out of him, she was healed, her faith made her whole. And then they start going back to Jairus' house and somebody comes from daddy's house and says, um, your daughter, the 12-year-old girl that you wanted Jesus to come pray for, you know, to get her healed, she just died. She's dead. Leave the master alone. Well, I mean, that's bad news. And what you say at a time like that is super important. That is not the time to freak out. That is not the time to start panicking, right? Here's what Jesus said. And oh, if people just take this advice right here, they'd see miracles. He said, Daddy, I heard what they said. Your daughter just died, 12-year-old daughter, gone, out of the earth realm. I just heard that. He said, listen, don't be afraid. Only believe. And it's very interesting. We have no biblical record of Jairus saying a word from that point forward. Well, we know the story. The Lord went there, put all the professional mourners and musicians out who said she's dead. And the Lord said, she's asleep. I'm going to raise her up. And they laughed him to scorn. He put them all out and raised her from the dead. Telethai kumai, which being interpreted as damsel, I say unto you, arise. And she gets up. Healed, presents her to her mom and dad, and they're a happy family. And it's very interesting. We don't hear a peep out of Jairus. How many know when pressure comes, one of the best things to do is say nothing? Right? Now, it'd be better to speak a word, but at least don't speak doubt. You don't want to release your fears. Just like faith without action is dead, fear without action is dead. We release our faith through our words. We release our fear through our words. And that's when supernatural power starts to show up, good or bad. All right, so in Matthew 12, look here with me in verse 34. We'll read a couple of verses here, a few verses. Everybody say this. Speak it out. Speak it out. Here's another way to say that. You ready? Jesus said, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now stop right there before you go to the next verse. Keep it up there. All right, so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to make sure your confession is going the right direction, have an abundance of God's word in you. So when you're taken off guard, rugs pulled out from under you, slapped upside the face, surprised by an attack, have so much word in you that cuss words don't come out, scriptures come out. Fear and doubt and defeat don't come out. Victory and joy and blessing comes out. Huh? How many think it's good to have an abundance of God's word in you before the test comes so when you're squeezed, filth doesn't come out? I mean, let's face it, if we're watching movies all the time, and especially movies today, there's very few that are worth watching. But if you're watching movies all the time and you're hanging around people all the time that cuss and act like the devil and complaining and fear and all this junk, and, and then you get squeezed, guess what's going to come out of you? What you've been absorbing the last few weeks and months and years. Well, what if you've been absorbing the word and the devil squeezes you? Well, he's going to wish he never would have squeezed you. Right? Because you're going to go, Jesus, Jesus, your word is true. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. By his stripes I was healed. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Right? You, we should make it to where anytime the devil attacks us, he wish he didn't. 
because of the praise that it sprung us into and the faith that it sprung us into and the joy that it sprung us into and the testimony that it sprung us into and the victory that it sprung us into. I think the devil should be very cautious about attacking us because every time he tries, we turn a test into a testimony, right? We turn a mess into a message. And thousands more get blessed because of us overcoming what he thought sent to destroy us. So look at this. Look at this. How shall you being evil? Now notice, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's he talking about here? He's talking about speaking things from your gut. Right? What's the whole He's talking about speaking. He's talking about words. Next verse. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. What? How do you get those good things from here out here? You bring it forth. How do you bring it forth? You speak it out. He's talking about the same thing as the previous verse. Right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And here he says, a good man, you know, because he's got a lot of good things on the inside of him, uh, he speaks and he brings good things forth when he speaks. I remember praying in tongues um, years ago and, and since then, much, much more as well. I was praying in tongues in a meeting, you know, prayer meeting in church and just praying. And all of a sudden I was going, I was praying in tongues and I just started saying, bring it forth, bring it forth, bring it forth, bring it forth. And this scripture came to me is what I was doing. We were bringing things forth through our speaking. Good things, powerful things that are in us, in the Lord. We were bringing it forth. How? We had an abundance of it in our heart. How do we bring it forth? How do you bring it forth? How do you bring healing forth? Well, number one, realize the healer's in you. And number two, get so big on the inside with healing scriptures that it's God's will that you're healed. And then as you speak those healing scriptures out, the healing that's actually in you will come out with those words. Either a little by little or immediately, depending on how big it is on the inside of you. When God said, let there be light, the light in him was attached to those words and he spoke it out, literally. Well, this scripture here says, good man, you got, you, you, Jesus made us good, right? He's in you. How do you bring it forth? How do you bring forth the good things of the Lord from within you? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Speak it out. Well, if you want to see it quicker and be filled more with the good, what should you do? Increase this. With the increase of your lips, you shall be filled. We need to plan on how we're going to talk tomorrow just as much as we're going to plan anything about tomorrow. We need to take this serious. It's called a profession, right? What do you do? You just kind of, you know, uh, just shoot off the cuff. I mean, do you just kind of just, you know, just go as you go and, hey, whatever I say, I say. Or should you plan out your day what you're going to say and what you're not going to say? Right. How important is this? Well, how important is it to have life in your life instead of death? How important is it to bring forth healing or deliverance or a miracle? How important is that? I think we should plan out and say before the day starts, I'm going to talk today like I believe what God said. No matter what tries to come my way, no matter what, I'm going to talk like the Bible's true yeah. all day long. I've heard Brother Hagin say, come hell, high water, live, die, sink, or swim. I'm going to talk like the Bible's true. I mean, think about the raging wind and the waves and the storm on the ship and the, and the boat was filling with water and Jesus was asleep on a pillow and the disciples woke him up and the Lord woke up and rebuked the wind and the waves and the sea and it was a great calm. Yeah. Do you know that your words can change a vicious storm going on around you, whether it's physical or business-wise or marital or whatever, children? Your words can calm that storm. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you know why Jesus could speak peace to that storm? Because he had it in him. He spoke it out. And what was in him, because he was asleep on a pillow. Obviously, it was in peace. And he is the prince of peace. He had peace on the inside of him. Well, because he had it on the inside of him, he could speak it out and change his circumstances. But you do it by how? You speak it out. You speak it out. It's got to be in you before you can see it outside of you. And if it's in you, start speaking it out. 
Okay, let me read this. Get God's word of promise so clear on the inside of you that when you speak it out, it just comes out with the words that come out of your insides as well. Say, speak it out. Pastor, I need healing. Well, actually, you just need some perseverance and endurance to keep speaking what God said over your life. Do you really need healing or do you need to just keep speaking and believing what God said because that's how you're going to get it out? A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. We really don't have to ask God for things. He already said is on the inside of us. We just need to bring it forth. And I, one of the things the Lord told me, he says, I need to increase my good confessions. You know, Jesus talks, Paul talks about, you know, fighting the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. And he talks about uh, um, Jesus before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Jesus was into good confessions, even when pressure was staring down at him, like, you know, capital punishment. He just maintained a good confession under the most dire circumstances. Just stayed right on track. Did it turn out all right? Oh, yeah. He rose from the dead, ascended on high. Right? He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Took the keys of death and hell away from the devil. It turned out really good. Right? He maintained a good confession. It may be tough for a while, but let's just keep, stay with what God said. Fight the good fight of faith has a lot to do with just maintaining a Bible confession. You may not understand why things are going haywire. You may not understand why things got worse after you prayed if it did. You may not understand what's going on, but you can still say, God, your word's true. I'm not going to give up on what you said. And he will show up. <laughs> he has to. He's a covenant God. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 